At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. Richard Nelson here, Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Center. Is government-sponsored sports gambling a way to build the Kentucky economy? Is wagering on professional sports harmless entertainment? Does it add to the quality of life in the Commonwealth, or is it something else? Joining us today to talk about sports gambling is Les Bernal, Executive Director of Stop Predatory Gambling. Les, welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. Thank you for having me today. So I think we need to start in a conversation like this. Uh, we're going to cover sports gambling in the first segment. We'll also cover something called gray machines in the second segment. But let's start out with a basic understanding. And I just learned something by looking at your website earlier today when preparing for this program. But help us to to have an understanding of what sports gambling entails, because it's much broader than just sports, isn't it? It is. And actually, and before we even start with that, I would just like to say for your listeners, like, uh, predatory gambling is America's most neglected major problem. And, I, that, and I, that's true for Kentucky as well. Because what separates, whether it's commercialized sports gambling or the other forms of what we would describe as predatory gambling, you know, target that are in Kentucky or targeted for Kentucky at the moment, is what, you know, what separates it from other vices, um, including alcohol and tobacco, as well as any other business, is that it, it's a big con. It's a form of consumer financial fraud. And so just to put that in kind of real terms, if you order a slice of pizza, you order yourself a glass of iced tea, you know, you go see the, to the movies or whatever it may be, like that's what you receive in return. In commercialized sports gambling or, and other forms of gambling that, that state governments promote, including lotteries, what you're receiving is a financial exchange, okay? That's what gambling is. Commercialized gambling is a financial exchange, but it's mathematically stacked against you so that the longer you participate in it, the more frequently you participate in it, it is a mathematical certainty that you're going to end up losing all your money. So it's it's a big con. It's a form of consumer financial fraud, just like price gouging and false advertising, both of which are illegal in Kentucky. And, and this business is illegal in Kentucky unless you get a special privilege, um, essentially a monopoly from the state to, to push this stuff. So I, I just want to make sure that's clear. And because and sports gambling right now in Kentucky is already legal. Like you and I could already place a friendly wager with each other on, you know, we want to watch the Cincinnati Bengals game, you know, when they're, when they're playing the Chiefs or whatever it may be. Like you and I could have a friendly wager with one another already. That's not illegal. What's illegal is for you and I to run it as a business because, because then it becomes inherently predatory, financially uh, dangerous to citizens as well as extremely addictive to the general public. Les, that's a really good distinction that you're making. There's a difference between social gambling, as you mentioned, two people making a wager on a game, or maybe it's the office pool uh, with, over the Super Bowl or March Madness brackets. There's a difference between that and state-sponsored predatory gambling. And that's what we're talking about here, this proposal in the Kentucky legislature. A bill has not been filed yet, but we do expect one to be filed soon. A proposal that would 
legalize a framework. They're talking about a legal framework to introduce sports uh, gambling or betting on sports. But talk about the the broad definition. Again, I, I learned something new, and I, I believe I'm fairly well-versed in this area, but I learned something new that this is broader than just gambling on sports, isn't it? It is. Well, the end game for these companies that are targeting Kentucky with this, these uh, sports gambling apps uh, and, and you know, sports gambling proposals, the end game is not gambling on sports. What they want is they get they use these gambling app, sports gambling apps to get citizens to sign up, right? With all the the advertising of you know here's a two thousand dollar risk free bet if you just sign up on our DraftKings app or MGM or Caesars or whatever it may be. So they get you to sign up, and then what the the, the long term goal is is they'll transition you over to online casino gambling. So yeah. the, and so that may not be on the table now for Kentucky. But what the end game is, is the, the, all these companies, they make 80% of their profits from online casino gambling. It's not the sports gambling component. Yeah. So, Les, I'm just going to rattle off a few things you mentioned on your website that sports gambling entails. In-play betting, betting on video games or esports, betting on pop culture TV programs like The Bachelor and The Oscars. Um, and then, as you mentioned, people are being transitioned to uh, online forms of gambling. The end game is also to get because young people, if you're like under 35 years old, less and less people are watching the traditional sports. So what they want is to bring in wagering on what's called esports, which are people who play competitive video games. And so that's where the, the future. There's a lot of these companies like MGM, DraftKings. They have esports divisions where they're getting people to gamble on video games. So if you have you know kids, grandkids, kids, nieces and nephews, think about how outrageous. Uh, it already is that these kids are already how much time they play on video games. And now they, they you know, with the courtesy of state government, <clears throat> they want to bring in um, uh, gambling on video games. So you do say on your website, again, that studies show that children in countries that have legalized sports gambling are repeatedly exposed to harmful messages and advertisements about sports gambling, uh, that they're introduced to this idea that gambling is okay at a young age, how do you respond to those promoting this bill in Kentucky who say, well, we're going to shield children from this, or we, we don't intend for this to be for children. We'll somehow shield them from this. For any legislator to say that in, in, in the New York Times in November just did a huge uh, four-part series on commercialized sports gambling, which was incredible. And a big part of it was looking at how gambling companies are targeting young people. Uh, they're partnering with colleges and universities in states, you know, Michigan State, uh, University of Maryland, Louisiana State, University of Colorado. Their athletic departments have partnered with sports gambling operators to promote sports gambling to the fans of these universities. You know, they have huge um, proposals, like not proposals, like uh, setups, marketing setups at games, like they're advertising within the arenas. Um, it's it's unbelievable to the extent that they're targeting young people with this. But even if you're a person who's not attending the game or in in a university, if you're a 12 year old fan of you know University of Kentucky basketball or University of Louisville, whatever it may be, like kids are being inundated with gambling advertising. So if you're watching a sporting event, you know in the middle of the day, you're seeing relentless advertising for um, 
you know, by these gambling operators to, for, for sports gambling, you know, the people to sign up and so on. So what it's doing is it's normalizing a very dangerous and addictive product for kids, right? Like, yeah. and this isn't me saying it's dangerous and addictive. The, the American Psychi- Psychiatric Association in 2013 uh, declared gambling addiction in the same category as it looks at heroin addiction, uh, cocaine addiction, and op- opioid addiction. Okay, so this is the kind of this is what we're talking. This isn't some harmless thing. This is a dangerous and addictive product. And those of you who aren't familiar with with um, the, the American Psychiatric Association, they put out you know this DSM five, which is what it's called. It's that's essentially the mental health bible. So health insurance companies use it, doctors use it, psychiatrists use it. You know as a way to figure out what is covered under health insurance policy. So like it's a, it's referred to as the mental health Bible. And so that document, you know, is, which has huge health care implications, declared gambling addiction as severe as cocaine and heroin. So like, why would state government, why would any state legislator, you know, yeah. advocate such a dangerous product to the people of Kentucky? Yeah, that's a, a, a very good point. I've heard legislators say, look, Kentuckians are doing it. Uh, most people aren't developing an addiction, and we're losing tax revenue. The projected tax revenue last year was at $28 million. That was supposed to come in through this new regulatory framework of uh, sports gambling. I don't know how they came up with that number, um, but they're saying, look, Kentuckians are doing it just like cigarettes uh, or alcohol. Not everybody will develop an addiction. Some will. Uh, same with uh, with sports gambling. How do you respond to that, Les? Yeah. So again, there's there's no debate in our country that this isn't this isn't something that the public is demanding, right? This is being driven by powerful financial interests. It's being driven by greed, okay, at the expense of everyday Kentucky citizens. And just to show like how there's no grassroots movement for this is uh, gambling interests in the state of California in in 2022 spent 600 million dollars on two referendums, okay, the, the biggest spending on referendums in U.S. history to pass uh, sports gambling. And both of them, both of these referendums were defeated, pounded, defeated is, is too weak a word. They were crushed by voters voting no against sports gambling coming into the state. And, and, and it was like, you know, 70% to 30%. It was overwhelmingly rejected. So like, this is not being driven by the people of Kentucky. They, they are, you know, cr- you know, creating this lobbying effort. It's a, it's, it's driven by huge money. That you know, the the uh, sports teams, the sp- sports uh, media companies, uh, and particularly the gambling companies are are all pushing this with a handful of uh, legislators who lust for power. You know, there's no merit to this policy. If you just look at the forms of gambling that Kentucky has already legalized. Like, it, it's been an epic failure in Kentucky. Your lottery, you know, hasn't delivered on what all these promises it was going to help all these people like it's made the people of Kentucky far poorer than it, you know than if you didn't have a lottery you know yeah. it, it create a lot more family dysfunction and 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 economic despair than it, you know than without a lottery so like it's been an epic failure and that's why when we talk about predatory gambling is America's most neglected major problem it's true in Kentucky as well you know for those most of your viewers or listeners may not you know may not gamble right so Two thirds of the public who doesn't gamble, like you pay, even if you don't play, you know, because you end up paying higher taxes over the long term for less services from the state 
and you end up getting worse budget problems in the long term. Like those are the facts. And that's why all the states that have become big predatory gambling states, you know, you name them, you know, California, Illinois, Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, and so on. Like these states are like in the worst financial condition in the country because they rely on gimmicks. Like predatory gambling is the ultimate budget gimmick. And you, the taxpayer, if you don't gamble, like you pay for all of this, you know, and higher taxes, but in, in even a larger way, you, you, your family pays for it because you suffer a lower standard of living in your region. Like this is, this is something that takes away from, from the quality of life in your area because it creates addiction, huge amount of family dysfunction. And, and because it, it doesn't create wealth, it just transfers wealth. You have a lower standard of living in your region. Les, that's a really good point. And I noticed that when Illinois uh, legalized casinos, the boats and the moats, I guess, um, one uh, set up shop right across from the Ohio River uh, from Paducah, Kentucky. And there were some Indiana set up one, Ohio, years ago. And one thing I noticed in uh, Illinois in particular, we were told that this was going to help their economy, that the city of Metropolis that had Harrah's move in there, again, maybe maybe close to 40 years ago, it was going to build up that economy. It was going to be a major attraction. Well, in the news uh, a couple years ago, they had uh, there was a story about the city of Metropolis not being able to tear, take care of its own roads. Its own courthouse was in disrepair. They had an overwhelming burden on their uh, infrastructure. Their, their uh, sewer system wasn't able to handle the, the, the alcohol that was going through that plant that they were trying to purify. Um, problem after problem that the casino industry promised to build up and, and contribute to the economy when, in fact, it has been uh, a deterrent, a leech, if you will, to that economy. Is this what you see in other areas as well? Do you have any other, other examples where you see predatory gambling move into a community? That This has been the truth about, you know, whether it's, whether it's state lotteries, regional casinos, like the kind you're talking about in, in Metropolis, you know, or online gambling, like as we started this conversation off, this business at its core is a big con. It's a form of financial fraud. It's a ripoff. And so when a business is dishonest, the people who stand to benefit from it, the people who are driven by greed that are promoting this, they will talk about it and promote it dishonestly. Okay. They go hand in hand. So all, you know, in the very first region of the country, you know, outside of Vegas that went for casinos, which was Atlantic City, all right? It legalized them in the late 1970s with all the same promises you're, you're hearing today that we've heard for, you know, more than 40 years. Like Atlantic City has a higher poverty rate today than it did in the late 1970s, despite billions of dollars that were lost of personal wealth that was lost by citizens in, in at those casinos. Like this is a transfer of wealth. The, the economic impact of uh, predatory gambling, of commercialized gambling, is the equivalent of you th- pulling out a $20 bill or a $100 bill from your wallet, throwing it into the street, and then paying somebody a minimum wage to pick it up. Okay. It's, it's a sterile transfer of wealth from thousands and thousands of people into the hands of a very few already wealthy people. And the rest of us all lose. Like, you know, I always love to use the analogy of a of a blanket company, right? If you and I wanted to go buy a blanket from the store, like, you know, everyone doesn't have to give up a blanket in order for, my, for me to walk out of that store with a blanket. But in the predatory gambling business, everyone else has to lose in mo- enormous personal wealth 
okay, for, 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 for a handful of people, particularly already wealthy people, to, to take an enormous sum of money. Like that, that's what makes this a, a con. It, it's a huge ripoff. And that's why historically in Kentucky and other states, commercialized gambling, predatory gambling, running gambling as a business has been illegal because it's a form of financial fraud. And you will see the pendulum swing back again. It's been a, an epic policy failure in our country, including in Kentucky. And, and no matter where you sit on the political spectrum, you know you can't reform our country when the public voice of government in Kentucky and in every other state today is pushing gambling, a con that's pushing people into deeper debt. Les, are you seeing communities where citizens are gathering to try to undo um, uh, big gambling's toehold or foothold or dominating that community? Uh, however we put that, are are we seeing pushback? You mentioned Atlantic City. The, that, by the way, Atlantic City used to have a thriving uh, economy based on uh, being, it being a resort town. There were mom and pop restaurants. There were other entertainment venues before they had casino gambling. Of course, they were driven out when the casinos came in. Are, are we seeing a backlash in any community where they're trying to push out? People see the negative effects that you and I are talking about, and have are they successfully pushing back? Yeah, well, I'm, I'll, I'll cite at least two recent examples. Well, so California, I, I, I mentioned how the, 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 the gambling interest spent $600 million to try to ram through you know, sports gambling, online sports gambling in that state. And the citizens, without even like a huge you know, organized opposition there, there were just a lot of good citizens standing up saying, this is outrageous. Like, why, do we, why would we ever do this? Shot it down. You know, like they were outraged by it. And then you know, just, you know, in the last like year and a half, you know, gambling interests have pretty much lost every referendum, you know, when they've, when it's been on the table, like th- there is no grassroots movement for this. The state of Virginia, you know, which is now some of the regions there have legalized casinos, but there was several, um, uh, uh, uh I want to say three or four communities in the last year and a half that had casino referendums on the ballot and they were, they were shot down. Yeah. Okay. Like, like this is, this, there is no grassroots movement for this. It's, it's being driven by greed, by these powerful gambling interests in partnership with a handful of public officials who lust for power. And these public officials, they're coming from both political parties. So if you're a Republican, there's some Republicans who have sold out their principles who are pushing for this. Okay, If you're someone who says, I believe in limited government and you know, I, I'm pro-family and I'm pro-life and all these other issues that are seen as conservative issues, but yet you stand up and say you support predatory gambling, I mean- how big a hypocrite can you be? Yeah. You know, and that's true for the left as well. You have, you have members of the political left who say they support working class people and the little guy and, I mean, and, and try reducing wealth inequality. Like predatory gambling contributes to all, all those things. Like it, it's a major source of wealth inequality in our country. Yeah. And when I talk about the hypocrisy of our public officials, we actually have on our, the homepage of our Stop Predatory Gambling website, we refer to it as the Hypocrite Hall of Fame. And what the Hypocrite Hall of Fame is, it's, it's a list over the last 15 to 20 years of all the governors, the, the state legislators, the mayors, all the casino operators, the, the lottery promoters who stand up and say, hey, you know, predatory gambling is great for your community. It's great for your family. But you know what? I don't gamble myself. You know, I, I have investments. You know, I, I have a, a 529 college fund for my kids. I have an emergency fund. I own my own home, you know, like I have retirement funds. Yeah. Half the country doesn't have any of those 
those you know in those vehicles that, that are, are representative of a middle class life and here you have politicians who don't even gamble won't even touch it encouraging people to, to gamble on $30 scratch tickets, online gambling, you know, electronic gambling machines, you name it. I've heard it said before, Les, that rich people don't gamble. <laughs> they invest their money. They save their money. We, we always right. focus on how much people earn, which is certainly part of the equation, right? It's half the equation, like how much money you make. But the other part of the equation, 50% of it is how much do you keep? And yeah. so like, if we encourage citizens, instead of saving money, you know, kind of, I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan you know, the seven baby steps and so on. Like it's getting out of debt, saving money slowly. Like that's how you build wealth in America. That's how it historically has happened in our country, except for the last 30 years. We state officials, who some of these state officials who lust for political power in partnership with these gambling interests have tried to sell to the American people that you don't have to work hard. You don't have to get educated. You don't have to save money. You can just, you know, do it by gambling. You know, like it's just, it's a con. It, it's something that you're guaranteed to lose all your cash. So it, it, it's come to represent the public voice of government today. To that point about government today, uh, the biggest proponent of gambling expansion in the Kentucky legislature was the chair of the House Licensing and Occupation Committee, uh, Adam Koenig. He had a primary challenge last year and he lost. Uh, he, he was the, uh, leading person, an advocate for the horse tracks, advocate for sports gambling, a uh, number of other gambling, uh, measures as well. And he lost in a primary, even though he outspent his opponent, even though he had the political establishment behind him. And the point that I made to people about this was that, uh, if that was so important to his constituents, and if that industry was so influential, why did he lose his primary? Very influential person. He'd been in the legislature for maybe 20 years, and uh, he, uh, he lost. Les, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that the news media isn't always fair. In fact, there's lots of far-left bias and political gamesmanship. No surprise there. So if you're looking for a perspective that's grounded in the truth of Scripture and our nation's founding principles— then get plugged into CPC's resources. Sign up for our e-newsletter at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Commonwealth Policy Center. And we're on Twitter at CPC for Kentucky. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Les Bernal, and we have been talking about sports gambling, a bill that is expected to be introduced in the Kentucky legislature soon. I'm going to pivot over, Les, to... Another topic that is coming up, it is the topic of gray machines. And these are machines that uh, are operating in a gray area of the law, as I understand it. Uh, They came into existence after the legislature redefined paramutual gambling and after they brought in historical horse racing. Uh, As of now, according to Mark Guilfoyle, who is uh, an advocate for the horse industry, he says that there are already 3,000 gray machines in the Commonwealth of Kentucky in some 850 small businesses. Um, so, so, Les, are you seeing uh, in, uh, in other parts of the country, first of all, gray machines uh, popping up and gray machines coming into the gas stations and convenience stores and maybe hotel lobbies? Are you seeing this happen elsewhere? Yeah, well, I think it's important just to make sure people realize what a great we're calling them gray machines but what these are are just illegal slot machines right these are electronic gambling machines that are being pushed into these 850 locations now across your state 3,000 of them 
And I think so. So this this uh, reality you know, is revealing on several levels. One is it shows how much state government's policy of promoting predatory gambling has been an epic failure because the promises made were, oh, by legalizing lotteries, by legalizing these, you know, electronic gambling machines at the horse tracks and so on, it's going to wipe out illegal gambling. And you're hearing those same arguments in Kentucky for sports gambling, that somehow it's going to wipe out the illegal market. What happens is, and this is true it's in Kentucky and every other state, is when you legalize commercialized gambling and the state starts promoting it, it normalizes gambling. So it encourages people, all these illegal operators, to come into the state and, and they actually, they love it. They love state-sanctioned gambling because it allows them to prosper, right? You know, you didn't have you know, 3,000 illegal gambling machines in your state prior to the horse tracks getting their, what are really our slot machines right. at their racetracks. So, Les, Les, let me interrupt if I could. I want to make this point. You and I are both against the proliferation of gambling in any form. I think we see eye to eye on how negative gambling is, whether it's the lottery, whether it's HHR, sports gambling. But one of the issues I have with the grain machines here is that the horse industry is very involved, and all of a sudden they're concerned about the illegality, and they're concerned about the effects the machines have on families and children. In fact, they created a new organization to focus on it. And yet they manipulated the law for their benefit so that the state would create monopolies just for the horse industry. Now, I'm going to be opposed to, just to be clear, I'm going to be opposed to the grain machines. But to me, there's a there's a story here. It's an overarching story of manipulating the law to benefit a certain industry or wealthy people. I'm, I, I don't know if you've thought through that, but I have a hard time getting my mind around that. And again, I'm going to be opposed to these grain machines but it's just difficult to see the, the manipulation of the law. Does that make sense? The horse track owners, when they're describing these illegal electronic gambling machines that are in your state as dangerous and highly addictive and, and you know, and causing yeah. enormous financial pain for, you know, thousands of Kentucky families and, and addictive for kids, like that's all true. That just underscores the hypocrisy that the people that promote gambling in our country are arguably the biggest hypocrites in our society today, most of them don't gamble themselves, and then they oppose other forms of gambling uh, that exist to com- that compete against the forms of gambling that they're profiting from. So this is a, a dangerous and addictive product, whether it's at the horse tracks, whether it's at the, one of those illegal places, those small businesses who, who are presenting themselves as mom and pop stores, but you know are cleaning out their neighbors with these things. Like it's wrong whether the, the horse tracks are doing it. It's wrong whether these these bars and taverns are doing it, and it's wrong for the state to be promoting, you know, predatory gambling in the forms of these high dollar scratch tickets and so on that you're seeing across your state. It's been an epic failure. And if you're someone who's serious about improving the quality of life for the people of Kentucky, it runs through ending this, this the failed policy of predatory gambling in the state. Less very very well said. I have a few questions I'm going to leave just kind of open-ended. We've got just a minute and a half before the program ends. But here's a question I have. I guess this is to the audience. Um, and this is, we'll start with this. Can a business be considered just when it sends its patrons out the door with empty pockets and having nothing to show for it other than a few fleeting moments of entertainment? Can a society be considered good that welcomes such activity to openly exist? Does the casino mentality contribute to a better work ethic? Does it foster the idea of prudence and savings in finances? And then does it foster goodwill and love of neighbor? 